The NCAA women's basketball had an incredibly successful season, and now your favorite players from the 2023 to 2024 NCAA season will be in the WNBA. To all our veteran fans, welcome back. And to all the new fans joining, welcome to the W. This season, watch as proven legends Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, and Sabrina Ionescu continue their dominance, while rookies Caitlin Clark, Cameron Brink, and Angel Reese prove themselves on a WNBA court. The WNBA is redefining basketball on their own terms this season, keeping the game and players front and center while celebrating the intersection of identities and perspectives that align with fans. Welcome to the W. You're in for some world-class basketball. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 161. Um, guys, if you happen to be going to San Francisco this coming weekend, that would be January 28th, we will be doing the Nerdist Podcast live at the Regency Ballroom. I think mate, the show's pretty close to all. There might be a couple tickets left, but uh, but come on by if you can, or if you don't live in that city, that's fine. We're coming to tons of others. Check out Nerdist.com slash calendar to find out uh, what those dates are. There will be hugs and pictures afterwards, um, and we will express physical love to you in a non-creepy way, if that makes any sense. By the way, this episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by The Wicker Tree, which is in theaters January 27th. It's sort of a, a reimagining of the 1973 cult classic The Wicker Man, and writer-director Robin Hart is back. Christopher Lee is in this movie. Um, it inhabits roughly the same universe, but but Robin Hardy says that it is not a sequel, nor is it a remake. It's just within the same universe of the original. So that's January 27th. Go see it. The Wicker Tree. Robin Hardy. Uh, and we really appreciate that. I mean, it's not, you know, I really like seeing a film as a sponsor on this podcast. It makes me feel like I'm a part of a media family or something. So I thank you a million times. Uh, thanks to Anchor Bay. Uh, thanks to The Wicker Tree. And, and thanks to Robin Hardy for uh, sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. The Wicker Tree in theaters January 27th. And now this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, this is Stephen Merchant. Now, if you know me, or if you don't know me, but I'm going to tell you now, I have a Wheatley Laboratories phone case on my phone. Portal 2 is probably my favorite game ever. And obviously Stephen Merchant, who has created some of the greatest things comedy has to offer, was a guest on our podcast. Uh, There was weird miscommunication. This is a very short episode. It's only about 35, 36 minutes. Um, someone told him that we were only going to do 20 minutes, and so he had back-to-back-to-back stuff scheduled. We literally went to his hotel room uh, and recorded this, and then he apologetically had to leave. And it didn't feel like he didn't want to be there. It wasn't like, yeah, I don't really want to be here. Can you guys leave? It really was. He booked other appointments. I swear, you guys, I swear. So this is a this is a bite-sized morsel. I think maybe our shortest episode of the Nerdist Podcast ever, only made longer by the fact that I am talking a lot now. So that'll stretch it out a little bit for you. Maybe I'll just talk slower so we can stretch it to 40 minutes. Uh, but anyway, this is super... We all way nerded out on Stephen Merchant really hard, and he's super nice and also like 11 and a half feet tall. So here we go, the Nerdist Podcast with Stephen Merchant. Now entering Nerdist.com.
I keep on telling him it will work if we have crazy sound effects in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> All I want is a crazy traffic guy. I just have five different fart sounds I really want to workshop. <laughs> well, we go come back to me when you have ten. And then Do you use that window when you're showering? I would. Yes, I peer out at, um, <laughs> at the, uh, the dead hooker on that couch. <laughs> no, so no one's cleaned it up clean, yet. Clean off the, clean off the hate. No, no, no one's cleaned that up yet. Here, put that in your ears so you can listen to that. I'm going into aeroplane mood. Um, and we're recording. Okay, let me just... Sure. Stephen Merchant, we are deep inside your lair. Yes. This is a lair. I like to think of it as a layer. This is, I mean, some people would term it a hotel room, but uh, yeah, I've had it designed to my specifications. Um, uncomfortable couch. Yeah. <laughs> um, Exposed uh, brick. Ju- just, a f- just enough plates and cutlery to make you feel that you could cook a meal without actually being able to. <laughs> but then if you tried to, you'd be like, oh wait, I don't yeah, have I don't ladle. Yeah, exactly, I don't have how, the garlic press. How often have you used the blender? Uh, I try. Uh, I try. I keep intending to use it because it looks quite cool. <laughs> Every day you get everything set up. Yeah, I just can't do it. Yeah. Oh, well, they gave you English breakfast tea. No, I bought that. These oh. are supplies that I bought. Oh, I, there's something about um, being able to have your own food in a hotel room that I find really subversive and exciting. <laughs> you know, that I don't have to order room service. <laughs> no, I have a choice. Yeah, hotel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't care about your soup of the day. I'm going to make my own. But I, I just have some Greek yogurt and granola downstairs, and it is fantastic. Really? Yes. I well, I think you'll find there's some Greek yogurt in that fridge, and there's granola up there. Well, so. I'm going to try yours. Who's made the pretty saving today? <laughs> I'm going to try, try Stephen Merchant's Greek yogurt and granola. I, th- I think what yogurt. you should do is call room service, and they go, what can we get you? You go, what can I get you <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, from yeah. Stephen Merchant's soup of the day? <laughs> room make, service. Make your own menu. Start going downstairs. I was not prepared for this. It's like fucking... Oh. Wait, yeah, wait a minute, yeah. What's going on what's there? Go, what's no, no, no I did a whole character thing. He's from the Honduras. Uh, uh, he was yeah, Honduran yeah. royalty. I don't know. Honduras. He was Honduran royalty, and then he came here. Yeah. Uh, Still a but he's well-educated. <laughs> <It's a little laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. your way of not making a racist. <laughs> he's he's royalty. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he chose to work in the hotel business, but he could have done any number of jobs. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was Hello, like, this is Russian <laughs> room service. That's funny, because he's white now. Russian room service. How can I help you? Is that okay? Um, so the show is called Accidental Racism, and it's just all okay. <laughs> not intending to be racist, but no, oh, just yeah, being yeah. so it's racist. easily done. Easily Lots of references done. to coming to America. <laughs> Tons. Uh, so thank you for coming on the show, and um, it's I mean we are all uh, huge fans of yours, and you are a trailblazer in this podcast yes. universe. I mean you guys, you guys were doing it when. You st- I mean, still, I feel like people go, what's a podcast? But even, like, in 2005, people really said, what's yeah. a podcast? Yes. Um, no, we're pioneers in so many ways. And we. <laughs> I feel actually a bit like I finally can understand what Edison must have felt like. Um, you know, any of the... Louis Pasteur. Um, <laughs> it's a shame that podcasting has not been uh, renamed, you know, Merchant Gervais. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Merchant Gervais. So the great innovators get yeah. their surname. We're just it's given then to the record merchant to charge the second season, which no one else does. Sure, That's yeah, but, but they could get away with it know, though. Like right. you guys can get away with charging. But I, I didn't know what a podcast was. Ricky, and he's rarely, you know, ahead of the curve technology-wise. <laughs> I guess or he certainly wasn't in those days. Um, but uh, yeah, he'd heard about it or read about it somewhere, so he suggested it, and I, I thought it all seemed like a, a fruitless and pointless uh, endeavor. But as always, 
you know, I very much danced to his tune. And so he said, do it. We did it. And um, yeah, like you say, it was it was a phenomenal. But it's easier to dominate a market when there's only four other people <laughs> doing it. You know? It's like the old days of television. Well, right. even still, British television to a degree. Yeah, to a degree. Hang on, there's the door. See, there's this, the thing I was talking about. That'll oh, be Pedro. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Vladimir. Oh. We changed his nationality to a more acceptable... We're getting some... We're having tea. Me... My coffee is here. Here comes coffee and tea. Hello, Sam. There you oh, thank are. You so much. The water is on its way, Chris. I'm sorry. I, oh. I never did the pause recording. Serving. Where's my fucking water? I know here it comes. I haven't hit pause. <laughs> People are ninety percent water. I don't have a fucking water. The blogs, you guys. All right, sorry, recording. Uh, <laughs> look at this thing. That is a gorgeous teapot. Oh. What did other people order? And tea. I got coffee. I was just feeling how happy you I ordered was. coffee. I just had some water. You, had, you had tea boxes. They're yeah, still they making it. Oh, the water's on the way. The water's on the way. No Let's get it. You got food from Trader Joe's. <laughs> no expense spared. <laughs> Here comes he got the good bread. He got the good bread. We're actually having tea with you, sort of. Tea with merchant. Tea. <laughs> oh my. There you go. New there podcast. That's it, isn't it? Tea Not me, me, man. Coffee. What are we having? American. Today we're having a southern mint herbal. You're having golden chamomile. That's, that's a water. Here comes our water. Oh, thank you. And just in case you got this. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate that. There you go. I don't know why I've ordered this tea bag from room service. I have a bunch of tea bags up there. <laughs> and the fact that there's no milk means I'm going to have to use my own milk anyway. Can all you reach right, yeah. in my fridge and get... I sort of feel Sorry, like... Steve. That's all right. I sort, of, I sort of feel like it's... I've got to get through this anyway before it goes off. Wake's <laughs> 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 not one, not... That's a lot of milk, isn't it? How long are you here for? That's a lot of milk. That it's is a still g- okay. It's fine. I got like a, I got twenty five minutes left. You have a half a gallon of milk. <laughs> yeah, I think they. I, I think a lot of tea. They don't have that many smaller ones at Trader Joe's. I don't think they have like the smaller handheld one. guzzler ones. Oh, milk! Yeah. I think there's a Seven Eleven on the corner that. Uh, that's all right. You know what? We'll we'll get through this milk. Yeah, we're gonna get through this milk. I if, if could you just drink it all during the podcast and let's just see what <laughs> yeah. happens to you. Do you need anything else, you guys? Anything no, we're good. All right, so. I'll wait for you. I'll let you guys. Okay, boy time. Um, I'll be downstairs Boy and I'll meet with you afterwards. Okay. You Thanks. Anyway, sports, sports, sports. Wait yeah. till the door closes and shirts come off. <laughs> Woo! Chest bump. First. Um, well, now if you want to wrestle. All right. If you want to wrestle. All right, good. Um, you guys have your background. I mean, you were actually worked in British radio. Yes. Uh, so, but did you did you intend to be on air, or were you just? Yes. Well, I used to do um, radio at college. They had a radio station at my at my college, and uh, so I would do uh, shows there once a week to no listeners. I mean, really, no no one was listening. But weirdly, I had a strange discipline that I would show up, probably like you guys. You know, you show up. There's no one listening, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, you do it anyway. It feels that way. Sure, it you does. Do it anyway, was were they comedy shows, or were you just playing? Music? They were. They were basically. Um, they were comedy shows, but they I, I was basically ripping off all the people I admired. So I don't know if you're familiar with the um, British uh, broadcaster comedian Chris Morris. Uh, yes. Very familiar. Um, yes. We've talked about Day to Day on this show right. a million yeah, times. And Chris Morris used to do a, a radio, uh, BBC radio show. I mean, he was fired several times. Because of they said the Queen was dead. Does he get fired from every job? Seemingly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's so probably think his benchmark is yeah, like, yeah. Ah, how can I get fired? And, yeah. then, and then it becomes exactly. a legendary you know, like tale. The last day of Four Lions, he's trying to figure out a way to get fired. From his own movie. <laughs> well, supposedly once he got fired from a, a local radio station because he sealed up the um, 
the booth, when the newscaster was reading the news, he pumped in uh, laughing gas, gas or something. <laughs> and uh, so the newscaster, was, like increasingly, his voice was going high pitched during. Uh, <laughs> Or helium, maybe it was helium, that was it, maybe it was helium. His voice started going up as he was doing the, uh, you know, the story about the rail I didn't crash. know people actually did that, I thought that was just like an Who 80s knows? movie prank. I don't prank. know, exactly, that, yeah. was, that just that sounds like a so, revenge um, of the nerds. Yeah, so, so I basically did, I was ripping off him and a few other people, um, and, uh, but it was a good, it was a good learning curve, like I learned a lot about radio and I, and I felt by the time I got to do it professionally, I sort of had some aptitude for it, Yeah, and I knew what I was doing, and, um, yeah, and then I ended up working with Ricky in radio. That's right, because you actually did have a stand-up background as well, right? You right. Did, you started out... So I was doing that at the same time, stand-up comedy in the evenings, um, uh, to a almost entirely indifferent response. Um, <laughs> people were... Um, I, no, that's not true. Actually, as time went on, I got I was quite well regarded by other comedians on the, on the circuit. But, um, yeah, certainly I wasn't, you know. Yeah, like I a Larry David situation. Yeah, I, I did walk off on occasion. I know there's stories yeah. legendary, legendary told of him kind of walking off. He didn't like the look of the audience. Like, <laughs> screw this, and he'd just walk off. <laughs> and I did do that once or twice. But that was just because I was dying a horrible death. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I just thought it's probably best if I leave. No, no one's enjoying this. Yeah, I, 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 I remember those experiences. Yeah. Really. It's like, yeah. you guys aren't having, I'm not yeah. having. Let's just, yeah. let's call, just it. call it. Let's yeah. just call the game. I've done that like, uh, like you know, you, you walk on stage and you have your open joke which is supposed to be one yeah. of the bigger jokes that gets them going and it just does nothing you're like well yeah we're in trouble now <laughs> yeah i can see flounder 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 yeah. and exit stage. well i had a my shtick was i had a, a it was like a character really and it although it was my name i wasn't well known at the time and so i would come out and the I, the conceit was i was sort of a, an arrogant comedian from my hometown who thought he was much more famous than he was like i'm a big shot at home but no one else knows me and so i'd come out and i would the part of the conceit in my own head was could i do an act where i was constantly promising an act that never arrived <laughs> so like i come out i got a great act for you but i didn't like your attitude sir in the front row you felt like you were giving me kind of negative vibes so i just i'm going to come on again let me come on again and just and you know and then i would always have some reason why i couldn't get to the act and someone bothered me or I would read out reviews that I thought were really glowing but were clearly not they were written in such a way that they could be taken either way and it was when the audience went for it it was so much fun and I'd sort of make them hate me but with my blessing and, and but when um, it didn't go well they just thought I was an arrogant comedian That's, that is they just didn't get the joke and I was screwed I had no because I didn't have an act that so can I, be the problem sometime with <clears throat> with just sort of like a standard kind of non-comedy savvy audiences that they will believe anything you tell yeah, them absolutely. at face value yeah. and, and unless you and unless you said to them I'm going to come out and do a bit yeah, where right. I'm pretending to be an Eric yeah. they go oh yeah. but yeah. otherwise they just that's why impressions work so well Yep. Here's Jack Nicholson as a waiter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the last yeah, time yeah. I saw that. Imagine if Jack Nicholson yeah. was a waiter. It was a little something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and that, I suppose that was what was exciting about it, and I guess why other comedians liked it was that it could go either way. And when it went well, it was so much fun. And I used to end by I would try and get to a point where the audience, with my blessing, hated me because I was just so obnoxious. <laughs> And so I would st- I'd go, listen, this is not working. You're not enjoying it. I'm not enjoying it. I am going to leave now. You're not going to discuss this. You're not going to talk about it. Um, you're not going to email your friends about it. You're not going to write it on a website. Or I'm just going to leave. Let's not talk about it anymore. And I would walk off the stage. And the stage, they'd clap. The stage would go quiet. Then I'd walk back on again in silence to the microphone and just say, uh, you can't get out that way. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, and they, it was always so much fun doing it and then I was like I'm going to have to come down through the audience and walk out the back alright don't touch me don't look at me <laughs> it was so much fun but if it was going badly I was it was horrible that's uh, like uh, Brett Gelman who's a guy out here in Los Angeles uh, he has a very similar uh, right. stage act where it's like he's like oh I'm better than you yeah. uh, this guy and then but then it's just like there's sadness behind it right know? exactly yeah. but I think it's something I think maybe a lot of people try it uh, when it's their first experimenting with stand up, because I think if you if you're a big fan of stand up, you you like you want to deconstruct the tricks of, of stand up yeah, comedy, and then I think as you get older, you realise actually doing regular stand up is much harder. It's sort of slightly easier to take it apart, yeah. but it's really hard to do it properly well and that was what I realized uh, when I went back to it well also because when you first start doing stand-up I, I think ultimately what ends up happening is when you write stand-up for a long time you end up writing you end up becoming the character of you on stage and yeah. you don't know who that is when you start and so I feel like a lot of people opt to do a character because they just need, sure. they just yeah. need a point of view to write from. right exactly exactly I think that was it that was it yeah. but it's hard but but it, I think it's way harder to do what you're talking about because it, because if you're if it, it's 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 a conceit and if you're stuck in it and if it's not you just have to get through it if it's oh, not going well it's brutal I remember one gig once in Exeter the place about two two or three hours from London and just no one in like 150 people no, the waitress got it no <laughs> one else and that one guy actually shouted taxi for the comedian you know? oh shit uh, it was brutal wow. and um, but it's weird because it's like your parachute hasn't opened and there's fear. And then there's a calm that descends <laughs> that you feel, well, I'm going to die, but I may as well enjoy the view on the way <laughs> that's down. Acceptance. That's yeah, that's, yeah, 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 that's acceptance. Yeah, that's, that's your body flooding yeah. itself with endorphins. Yeah, so you yeah. start to actually see the light and go, exactly. okay, I'm going to let go. I'm okay with this. I'm going to take this plane down. Yeah, except yeah. you don't die, and then you just have to go home and lie in bed and go, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah, walk yeah. through what the audience averting eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> but at least you, once you realize you're never going to see those people again. <laughs> Uh, that helps. Right. I think it's what's harder is what I found when I went back to stand up. I had a profile from being on TV and things, and that was much scarier because I hadn't done it for five years. And so suddenly there's an expectation, and you don't. And you know, when you do stand up, you need, if you're trying out material, you need to be confident enough to let it crash and burn if, if it needs to, you know, because you're trying it out. But it's much harder, I think, when you're well known to do that because you feel an obligation, even to a small audience in a tiny room who know that you're just trying out material. There's a fear of. For me, at least, I want to do a polished routine for them. I don't want them to blog that I saw Steve Merchant and he was terrible. That has yeah. changed everything. The, the whole, <clears throat> the whole. I mean, a lot of our friends are having problems now. Like, um, uh, you know, and, and I mean, you know, I, I too am getting ready for a comedy special, and you know, if people are recording in the audience. They're like, please don't put this up yeah. online because yeah. this isn't. And then if that's the only thing people see online, they're I can't Absolutely. explain to them like this is in progress. Yeah, yeah. But I, there's a guy who's taping me during a tryout. With his phone, and afterwards I said, "I said, what are you doing?" He was like, um, "Well, I was recording it." I said, "Well, but what, were you, what are you going to do with it?" He said, "Put it on my website. Get people to my website." No, and I said, yeah. "Yeah, but it's my act. What are you talking?" About? And he couldn't understand why I might not approve of that. Yeah. <laughs> it was bizarre, and he was old enough to know better. Like he was, you know, he was someone who must remember, you know, the the stories in the eighties of like, you know, home taping is killing music and all yeah, that. Sort of yeah, stuff. exactly. You know, it wasn't just a kid. I mean, he. But anyway, bizarre. Yeah, and yeah. then and then so what happens is that guy, you know, like you have a bit that's not 
fully polished yet. Yeah. He puts on his website, and then a bunch of people are like, I thought that guy yeah. was funny. What yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people, since the Michael Richards incident, like, really everyone's filming just in case. Just in case. Just, just in case, case, case you start, you start, start doing your uh, racist Honduran, waiter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, my racist waiter bits. Yeah. Yeah. It's time for him to come out again. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's happening, guys? <laughs> um, uh, but you, you also... I mean, it's so fascinating to me to the difference between the the stand-up writing, but then you know the the television writing, mm. which is I think come from two different parts of the brain. Yes. yes. Um, so did you was did you set out to do that in parallel with the stand-up career, or was that just something you thought? I oh. think I was just taking a kind of scattershot approach to comedy. You know, just being involved in as many aspects as I could, just to you know, um, hoping that one of them would catch light. Uh, I think having done stand-up more recently, I think it feeds back into the writing. Um, uh, just because I think you uh, are involved directly with an audience on a nightly basis and I think you you can forget how hard it is to make people laugh and you can be sat in a writer's room with a sitcom particularly a sitcom that doesn't have a live audience and you can presume something's funny and you can be in hysterics but you can sort of forget that actually there's a couple extra steps you maybe need to take to, to sell the idea to yeah. the audience or just, just little things which you, you remind yourself of when you're out there doing it live but Yes, yeah, certainly I think with, with writing for sitcom, there's a lot more emphasis on, on, on a particular kind of structure. You know, it, ha- it should be, it should, it should, I think it should come from the characters. The, the characters need to have their own voice. They need to be dictating things a lot more. Um, as opposed to, you know, which I think you sometimes see with sort of scripts written by stand-ups, is, you know, let's take my stand-up act and just divvy up the funny lines and right. some characters. And right, they can yeah. be funny people. And everyone sounds the same. Right, and, it, and that just, I think, rarely works. Um, you know, uh, I think Seinfeld's a great example of where they've taken that sort of mindset of the way that he and Larry David saw the world, but they've, they've allowed, they always allowed it, the characters to inhabit a yeah. scenario. Let's imagine if two people... If right. everyone thought they were gay, now what yeah. would happen? Rather than just being a string of comic observations on that subject, you know. <laughs> um, so, so that was the thing I, th- I remember learning the most when we started writing was trying to sort of, yeah, not to try and think of of, of shtick, right? To give the characters you know, and, funny zany lines. And so, what was your? So that was your sort of philosophical tenet on the on Office when you guys right. first started the Office. Yeah. yeah. That was certainly, from my point of view, it was trying to kind of unlearn some of the bad habits I think I got into. But that came from something else, right? The office yeah. was, a, was it a short that you had right. done? So I was working with Ricky on a radio station <clears throat> and he had a couple of observations. Uh, because he'd never done stand-up, I don't think he had those bad habits I was mentioning. So he he had some observations about kind of the types of people you find in offices. And we kind of mushed them together and we did this little sort of, this like as you say, like a 20-minute short. And uh, that character just came out of the box, like fully formed. And I would sort of improvise with Ricky, and he would stay in character, and I would ask him questions, and you know, and, and that was how it sort of got going, really. And because he sort of he'd worked in offices for like ten years, fifteen years, he knew he was just it was just kind of in his blood that kind of mindset and right. those sort of people. So he really could take that character down any avenue because he just he was just, you know he just lived it for so yeah. long, you know. And I think. Um, uh, and the, but then once we got writing the series, you know, we had to bring in some of the mechanical aspects of script writing that you that you sort of learn along the way. You know, the structure and pacing and and you know, all that stuff. Did it, w- I, this surprised me? But I felt like I read somewhere that <clears throat> when the Office first premiered in England, that it wasn't it, it wasn't an instant hit. Not at all. Goodness me, no. It had um, it was test screened for people and it got the lowest score ever apart from lawn bowls. <laughs> <laughs> with lawn bowls 
And I remember that about that yeah, too, that's actually. That's devastating that's... as well, because I'm always a huge fan. <laughs> and uh, I remember I was on a train after the first episode aired, and no one knew who I was, obviously, because I was just a writer. And um, I was on a train, and I heard two women talking, and one of them said, did you see that documentary last night oh. on the BBC? <laughs> it was hilarious. It was about a guy in an office. I don't know where they found this guy. And her friend said, no, I think that was a sitcom. And the other woman said, oh, but it wasn't very funny then. <laughs> <laughs> and it like completely changed her Hilarious opinion. documentary yeah, 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 on yeah, a funny yeah, sitcom. Yeah, on a funny sitcom, yeah. So what was, it that sort of, what was it that really changed everything? Was it was it importing the show to the States? No, I think what happened was... Um, importing the show. For, import, I mean, from my point of view, uh, we yeah, imported yeah. the show. From his uh, point of view, we exported the show. No, it, what happened was, I think... Um, a couple of things. One is it started winning some awards and which kind of garnered some attention in the documentary awards. Run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and also, um, it was the height of the DVD boom when oh, suddenly yeah. everyone was desperate to get DVDs. And so, a show called The Office that people had heard about, that's a perfect gift for anyone who works in an office. Right. Yeah. So, I think people were kind of being given it. And six it, yeah, episodes. It's just an easy digestible, easy digestible thing. Six so episodes. There you go. I mean, it really is funny to think that there are really only a handful of office episodes, right. the British office yeah. episodes, and and you know, still, I, I I love that, and I hate that about British television. I love that it's special that way, that it never got run into the ground. Yeah. But I also hate that there's only there's just a few sure. of them. Yeah. 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 Well, I think also, I mean, for us, it felt like we were working on it for three years because even when we weren't writing and directing, we were promoting it or. Or there was always some admin to do. So to us, it felt like after three years, it's like we, we're unexhausted by this because it was just Ricky and I. You know, there's no one else writing in the show with us. So, Jeez. so consequently, it felt much more labour intensive uh, for us. So by the time we've ended it, we were kind of spent. Um, uh, but yeah, no, no, I agree. I think there's sort of it's like British TV is more like a kind of cottage industry. You know, I think American TV is more like it's got this kind of factory process yeah. down pat, and mm-hmm. and it can often do it brilliantly, but. Yeah, the idea of doing 20-something episodes a season is insane. I mean, just yeah. looking at the difference between the British office and the American office, just from just from the infrastructure standpoint yeah. of, like, they crank that shit out, yeah. you know? How often do you hear someone going, oh, the 13th season was when it really got going? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. This doesn't happen. Well, Bonanza. 13th yeah. season was great. Do- Doctor <laughs> Who. <clears throat> yeah. Doctor Who, Jonah. No, no. Yeah, because that's really... The been... revamped. <laughs> yeah. gone there yet? I mean, but the, what I love about the uh, British office is just that it sort of exists as a, a, a beautiful story arc where it sort of right. like, and they have to the characters in the British office are dealing with the fact that that documentary went out and it was seen by people and now their their life is dealing with the repercussions and that's the benefit of being able to do short yeah. episodes and know you're going to conclude it is that you can you can make it more like a a mini series I guess yeah and that gives you a, a closure to it which that's um, great. But, um, I was bummed there was never a second uh, series of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Oh, Garth Marenghi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. I'm Garth Marenghi. It, which you can't get on Region 1, I don't think. I think oh, you, you have to I think illegally so, download they, it. They started airing them on Adult Swim. Oh, usually, they did. That's right. Usually that means they'll pop them onto DVD as well. It's very funny, that yeah, show. That and Man with Dean Lerner. Their live show that became <laughs> Garth the Garth Marenghi stage show, is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's It was just extraordinary. Because it was them sort of doing a play version of one of really? his books. Like live on stage with just like a handful of actors. And he takes the lead role on yes, stage. Yeah. But it would be a, like him miming win, opening windows and kind of dramatically opening a window and peering out of a window and closing it again. And, and there, aren't those guys like, they're kind of like the comedy generation below you in a way? That's like whatever. I would feel they're, they're peers because, you know, we used 
Matt Holness, who played Garth Marenghi in The Office, and I've worked with Richard Iwadi, who who wrote that show with him, and who has done a great film recently called Submarine that you may have yeah, really. So uh, no, I would like to think of them as peers. Okay. Geez, the idea that we're the elder statesmen of any kind of comedy <laughs> is terrifying to me. It's it'll it's happen it'll happen soon. Yeah, it'll happen yeah. soon though because there's already it's just what happens. Yeah, people will start reacting gonna... against us. Like we're the we're we're the old hat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. My uh, my older brother thought The Office was great, but no, yeah, this other yeah. thing. Like, yeah. oh, come on. I hate this. I hate comedy that feels real. Yes. You know, I wanna, I wanna, I'm sick of this shit, man. I think it's I think it's more about like uh, like clown suits and yeah, yeah. racist waiter voices, yeah, exactly. and whatever. But just Big, like not yeah. not an yeah. actual. So in the time between The Office and, and Extras, was that when you guys sort of did that XFM show and? and... Uh, I think we were doing uh, our radio show with Carl Pilkington kind of on and off during much of that I forget exactly when it started probably the kind of later seasons of The Office and we would take breaks and go and do that yeah. um, and then we were working with Carl on the radio for a few years and then that segued into the podcast so we that always ran alongside the, the writing because obviously you know, you're know you spending six months writing or something so yeah. uh, you, you've got time to, to do other shit yeah. it's amazing that the the I mean, I guess you guys had to be in the position you were in to get extras pushed through because I imagine pitching that show and then going, that's too inside. Who's going to yeah. know that extras are crazy? Right, uh, sure. But, but still, you managed to take something that could have been too inside but just really make it about those characters right? and develop the characters. Well, I mean, I think there, there are some people who probably do still find it quite inside, but I think we try... I mean, the, 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 the reality of TV and movie extras is far more bizarre than we could ever portray. Right. Because the real, the real people are so eccentric. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the end, we just made it about someone striving for something. You know, he, he, he's this, but he wants to be this. He, he's, he's an extra, but he wants to be a star. And then, you know, if someone's got a driving goal, I think, you, you know, if, you, if you're a fan of what we do, you can then engage with that. You know, mm-hmm. everyone can understand that. But the, the original conceit was... Uh, we found out, I think, that Kate Winslet was interested uh, in doing something. And we literally were going to have her in it as an extra. She was going to have no lines. <laughs> the, the, show, the, I, the joke was going to be that we we were doing a show about extras and they were in the foreground and the movie stars were literally walking oh, around as cool. extras yeah. and they never said anything. Um, but then when we got when we got that Kate Winslet was going to do it, it was like, this is what? what <laughs> mad, you know, that's a funny idea here, but you know, if she's going to show up, we may as well give her some lines, you know. So once the star thing, but I always felt that the star thing, the star appearances slightly overwhelmed the show. Like people were so kind of hung up on what was yeah. Kate Winslet yeah. going to do that they perhaps lost sight slightly of, I think, some of the other fun that was in Where the it show. almost became like, it's like, oh, there's the uh, Kate Winslet episode, right. there's the David Bowie episode, yeah. as but opposed it's to just being yeah. a part of an yeah. episode. But it's got to be it's got to be a gift for those actors. I mean, people like Daniel Radcliffe who get to do the right. condom gag and like show yeah. people that he's... Yeah. Put, or, we had Pat, I had Patrick Stewart on the podcast, and I, I was like, oh, my God, you're really funny on extras. And he goes, what do you mean? Yeah, right, right, right. right. Uh, what do you mean I was funny? Yeah, like, yeah. He just didn't drop it. Yeah. He was amazing. He was so funny. I mean, that where it's we couldn't late. get through that. It's couldn't get late. through that. <laughs> just the idea of Patrick Stewart obsessed with a, making a film where a woman's yeah. clothes fall off. But it's just I it's like can see that, everything. It's, like, it's just the sh- it's that movie Zapped. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was so much fun. That's the that's the the thrill is like with Liam Neeson in this new thing we've done, where yeah. someone with such gravitas is saying yeah. such bollocks. The list, <laughs> the list of just different types of comedy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah just right. The fact right. that he would know. Yeah, want to do funny, it's funny, funny, voices. Monologue, funny voices. It's a favorite. To the, it's a favorite of the rest of us because I think as <clears throat> as young writers or comedians, you kind of have this idea. You're like, man, 
someday if I ever make it, I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do weird, sh-, and you know. But then most people don't because they get afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you actually, you actually do it. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, there's a lot. Of, I mean, Ricky does a lot of the phone calls. He's the one who will send a text to you know Johnny Depp saying, "Do you want to make a fool of yourself for no money?" Um, you know, one Friday just outside London. Yep. Okay. You know, it's funny. It's, it's like leading up to the Golden Globes. Everyone's like, "What's he? He's he's gonna eviscerate everyone." And that they were giving him shit about that. And then I read an article the day after, and someone was like, "He didn't go far enough." I'm like, give that fucking yeah. damn break. What do you What do you want? Well, it's a no win situation. It is literally yeah, no win yeah. situation. Guys, listen. I'm enjoying this, but when I'm worried that I've made too many bookings for myself today. Um, and need to go to another meeting. What time is your meeting? What time did you, were you under the impression we were going to finish this? I thought we had 45 minutes and we're at 30. Do you have 15 oh, minutes? Oh, I thought we were doing 20 minutes. Oh, gotcha. So I'm, we're somewhere in between. Um, Could you let me go at quarter two? What time is it now? Yeah. Yes, that's, that's cool? fine. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, that's fine. All right. So let's start from your birth. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Was it a difficult birth? You don't remember. <laughs> um, it must have been tricky because I'm very big. <laughs> I think I squeezed out slowly over a couple of months. Our birthday. Yeah. That's, that's why I have two. I have two star signs. I'm a Sagittarius yeah. and a Scorpio. I'm, I'm very insular, but I'm very outgoing. Well, like you know, up here is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very difficult. It's very rare to see someone taller than Jonah. Yeah, it's only a I couple am, other people that I know. I am preposterous. He makes you look tiny, Jonah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I look. It's like. uh, it's nice. It's it's always nice to look at someone almost eye to eye. Yeah, you know, it's always like it just like. Oh, well, then, feels... Let me jump to two quick things then. Uh, uh, first of all, this. Oh yes, uh, Wheatley is probably one of the. I mean, Portal Two is my favorite game oh, okay, of all right. time. Yeah, you massive nerd. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I'm not. A, I'm not fucking ashamed. Would, how did you get involved with with Valve? And you know, was there? I'm just. I'll ask you five questions at once. And you know, was there a lot of improvisa- improvisation, or how did you? How did it work? <coughs> Pardon me. Um, <coughs> so yes, I was approached to do um, a video game, and I used to play video games a lot. Uh, when I was younger uh, and when I had a housemate and then when I became an adult I stopped playing them I'm like, I'm like so and, um, I, I don't know I don't know what you yeah, mean I, yeah no one day you will and um, when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you become interested in girls I don't uh, understand, you understand. but uh, no I, I, I just I'd stopped playing video games just because I, I guess I was too busy doing other stuff or whatever And um, but I was always a fan of them and I'd never been involved and I quite liked the idea of it and they approached me, and I, I wasn't familiar with the original Portal, so I said, yeah, no, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. And then I started mentioning to, to you know, nerds like yourself, and they, they said, <laughs> oh, Portal was great, it was amazing. So I suddenly felt this kind of burden of responsibility, like I, I'd sort of forgotten how vast the video game audience is. Mm-hmm. And it, so um, there is a script, and they've, they've, they're, they were actually very good writers, but they did let me improvise, and they just let me, uh, you know, just do versions of what they'd written, you know, or, or take it down my own avenues, and then they... And I was in this little room for like four hours at a time, shouting down imaginary corridors. It was so exhausting. And um, because, of course, you've got to do every possible variation. It's not like an animation. You've got to do it in case some idiot is stuck outside a room and it's just walking around in circles. You need lines for me to say. Sure. So you're just doing every possible avenue and... And I really worked hard at it. I mean, I I gave it a lot. I, I, you know, was exhausted after all of them. but I guess you, you, unlike almost anything else I do, you're sort of at their mercy, really. You know, you don't know what the game's going to be like. You don't know how, which bits of your improv they're going to use in what order. Uh, but by all accounts, they, you know, they did a, an amazing job, and people just went crazy for it. I mean, it was I had an amazing response. Well, the game was it, it's a hilarious. It's, right. It's it's actually 
Well, they, kept, a... they said they were going to send me a copy, and they, and they did not. And, uh, <laughs> Valve. I am not going to buy one. <laughs> that would be absurd. Well, it's time to play it anyway. Yeah, exactly. So I hear it's very good, but I haven't... You know, just play and go, oh, yeah, I said that. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. I, I said oh, that, too. Right, right. Oh, yeah. That take... <laughs> yeah. But it's exciting, the idea that video games can get hold of people in the way that movie characters can. That seems like a whole new thing that I sort of had overlooked, really. Um... I mean, to the point where you've now got um, it on the back of your phone. Yeah, I have my my, case, my phone case says Wheatley Laboratories yeah. uh, on it, which I did not just put on for this. This has been my phone case sure. for, for months. Yeah, no. Well, um, we've already established you're a massive nerd. Yes. <laughs> and, that's coming, and that's coming from me. <laughs> well, we've lo- we've, we have sealed the door to your hotel room, and we are going to tie you up and just force you to do lines that sure. you've done and things. Sure. You've probably had you a million times no, before. I don't you, you, don't, yeah. you don't mind at all. Yeah. It seems pretty... You know, we got your tea. Exactly, we can survive with the granola and the bread for at least uh, twenty-four hours. You're holding hours. out. I saw hummus in there. There's hummus, you bastard. <laughs> so you you have uh, your, your stand-up show. Uh, you're doing Largo Wednesday night, right? Uh, have you done Largo before? It's a great space. No, I haven't. No, it's a wonderful room. Blast. Yeah, oh, good, great. Are you are you touring around a ton now? No, I'm doing three shows here in LA. I'm doing one in San Francisco. I did some in New York before Christmas, uh, and then uh, depending on how they go, maybe I'll come back and do more down the road. But at the moment, that's that's it. I feel like they're going to go fine. I hope so. I hope so. But I, there are people coming to the show who who are familiar with what I do. Me going in a comedy club. You know, in the Midwest somewhere where they've no idea would probably I find scarier. Yeah. <laughs> would you do it? Um, uh, maybe as a challenge, but sure. I don't know. I feel like I would be out of my comfort zone there. Well, also yeah. those those people. I don't know. It just sort of seems like why do it unless your goal is to conquer comedy clubs. Like if they don't know right. who you are, yeah. and you're then why? Yeah, if they don't know who I am, then screw them. Like, seriously, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. No, then you can go back and do I'm not the, doing yeah. this for their. No, no, then you could go back and do the arrogant uh, comedian yeah. bit. That's true. That's interesting because you can't do that now. No, in fact, people it's funny, just be I like tried, Steve Emergent's a dick. I tried doing it when I first went back a couple of years ago, and they did. They, that's exactly what they thought. <laughs> why is he being so mean? <laughs> I really liked his yeah, work. I yeah, didn't yeah. know he was. Why would he be so yeah, arrogant? Exactly. Idiot abroad. Amazing! I, mean, I just saw the trailer of Carl up in that weird th- to do the bungee jump. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he is a phenomenon, Carl. He's he's like what the internet is made for. I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just something that you can kind of uh, like. Where would they give him? He would never have got on TV in, in the in the days of yore. Right. You know, where you need to sort of have a shtick and an act. Yeah. Why would they just let this this um, moron on on TV? But yeah, people adore Carl. I mean, they, you just they can't get enough of him and because I think he's sort of there's a lack of pretension about him there is a lack of artifice which I think is very refreshing on yeah. in a world where most TV people are desperately trying to be something you know they're reality stars trying to seem cool and interesting when they're not or they're people like us with acts and attitudes you know whereas Carl is just is what you see it's like he doesn't care because he doesn't know how to right yeah yeah how yeah, aware he's... is he of I mean, like, if you say, like, Carl, you're going to be in a show called An Idiot Abroad, is he like... Oh, no, he argues. Yeah, he fights it. Like, why would I be in a show called that? Don't call it that. <laughs> but, you know, he's sort of powerless. So he, he just ends up, you know... How often is it just you go, you know, it's money. Quite a lot. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, like he says himself, you know, I was in a show called An Idiot Abroad. Who's going to employ me? <laughs> um, you know. um, which is a fair point, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's fantastic. Jeez. All right. Yeah, well, I know. I know you have to go. I'm sorry about uh, that. There's been a miscommunication there. I hope someone will get fired, 
Oh, uh, like, just look at me when you said that. I don't know. I just thought they perhaps you weren't giving 100. Do you want me to fire Jonah? Just I'll fire him. You're leaning forward with a kind of enthusiasm and an interest, whereas you're sat more like the hummus thing really annoyed you. Yeah. <laughs> you were going to do a funny accent earlier, but you, he stole your thunder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I brought my own milk. Yeah, exactly. Hey, guys, here's my own tea and milk and granola. Who wants it? Cool. Well, uh, have a great luck with the good luck with the show, and then Thank just you. anything else that you want to promote that, that you're. No, I just I, as you say, Idiot Bull Two starts soon, and and uh, obviously um, uh, our show uh, Life's Too Short with uh, Warwick Davis starts in February on HBO. So I hope people should check that out because I think it's there's some funny stuff in there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks Steve for having Hershen. me. It's thank an absolute you. pleasure. Uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Stopping the recording now. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by The Wicker Tree in theaters January 27th. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery+. Plus.